back in 2011, Jason Haley was working as a phone jockey for a credit card company. It was long hours, confused customers, and garbage pay for anyone working the phones. Haley and his co-workers made $35,000 a year, which was lower than the living wage in every state. To add insult to injury, Haley's company was located in Seattle, where the cost of living is 50% higher than the national average. For Haley, it wasn't enough that ends didn't meet. The ends never saw each other cross the wage gulf. Haley was taking a smoke break, trying to distress, when his hipster boss saw the sour look on his face. The boss man, Dan Price, toured in a Christian rock band before settling down to found his company, Gravity Credit Card Processing. Dan is relentlessly positive, cuts his hair like Jesus, and is smiling at every picture taken of him. Dan treated every employee like they should feel as excited to work at Gravity as he was. Seems like something's bothering you, Dan said to Haley, who was finishing the cigarette. What's on your mind? Haley didn't miss a beat. You're ripping me off, he told the boss. Dan Price smiled, took a slow breath, and explained that the employee compensation was based on market rates, which meant paying the phone jockeys like Haley just enough to stay competitive. Paying employees more would be irresponsible as a company, and the shareholders would get concerned. Haley wasn't having it, especially since it's the wage workers who end up bearing the brunt of all that corporate responsibility. I know your intentions are bad, Haley told his boss. You brag about how financially disciplined you are, but that just translates to me not making enough money to lead a decent life. This left Dan Price, the CEO of Gravity, with a pretty big decision. Shrug it off and replace the outspoken employee. Or restructure his entire company, risk millions of dollars, and scare the hell out of the shareholders so his grunts on the phone could earn a living wage. If you're thinking Dan chose the latter choice, there's a reason we're talking about Dan's company today. You're listening to The Reengineered You. This is a podcast about self-empowerment and all the myths, lies, and misconceptions we tell ourselves. Then, we use science and history to bust those myths and re-engineer a better you. I'm your host, Todd Laments, the extrovert. And I'm the writer, researcher, and introvert, Joe Anthony, whose job it is to dig through the outer layer of no-duh on the internet. For the last few weeks, the re-engineered you has taken a look at high-power CEOs. Every self-help book that promises to make you rich and successful uses tycoons like Steve Jobs, Mark Cuban, and Jeff Benzos as their blueprint. We've already talked about what the economy would look like if we all became fabulously wealthy. We've covered what separates these elite achievers from average thinkers like us. And we've discussed the corporate economic sandbag known as corporate stock buyback, which is partially why some CEOs make so much money. Bosses like Bob Iger of Disney and Adam Aaron of AMC make more than a thousand times the income of their typical employee. So for context, the University of Warwick economists found that the per capita income of the 1300s was more than double what's considered bare bones in today's poorest countries. So not even kings like William the Conqueror would ask for a thousand times the pay of their subject. 
Joe may never get tired of sharing grip statistics, but today we want to focus on the bright side. We want to ask if there's a better way to do business, one where we pay employees enough to not have to scrape by, and companies still make enough profit to satisfy shareholders. In a word, we want to talk about opportunity sharing and what a world full of Dan Prices would look like. But first, I want to tell Joe about Dan Price's soul-searching moment. So we want to give a special shout out to Adam and Kathleen, friends of the podcast and lifelong learners who brought this uh, article to our attention. And (laughs) we are going to address the fact that um, a lot of, we'll say, um, criticism of Dan Price's business model has been thrown about saying that it is like darn near socialism uh, paying workers um, the happiness index. We'll just cut to the chase and say Dan went straight to paying his grunts the happiness index. Um, Thanks, Adam and Kathleen. This this is a phenomenal story. I'm embarrassed. I live in Seattle. I didn't even know this went, this happened. I As this was happening, I was living in Seattle, so I, I must have forgot how to read there for a couple of years. What made him, like what pushed him into doing this? Because... Obviously, Dan Price wasn't doing this before, thought things were fine. He was operating business as normal. I mean, like as a as a you've operated businesses, Todd, you've done the math on like I'm being competitive with the market, like to to keep my employees. Right. Yeah. And labor is your number one expense. So if you raise labor, a lot of times just even a tick, you go right out of business. Right. And we haven't said yet. So the average we did say it was thirty five thousand. But. The happy Dex index is 70,000. So what he did was, I mean, what, what does raises usually look at the jobs that you know, people in your circle? What are the raises usually look like at work? Like 5%. And oftentimes it's like, like we're now learning that most of the time that is a nominal raise it, or no, no, it's, it's a, it's a raise, but it doesn't keep up with inflation. So, so many companies, the raise is a tiny percentage, like 50 cents or a dollar and yet it oftentimes doesn't even keep up with inflation. Yeah, the raises I usually hear about. And um, you, we studied this. Most there really isn't raises anymore. Your only real chance of getting a raise, really, um, there's so few of them you get in your life. Most of them is because we change jobs. You have to actually change companies and change positions to get more pay. Right. You switch company, you renegotiate. Yeah, most most companies aren't going to say, oh, we're going to pay you more to do what you're doing right now. It's just It doesn't happen. So he went from 35000 to establishing a minimum wage, Joe, of 70000 Can you imagine reading that email at work? I bet people were singing and dancing around the office when that happened, right? Right. I mean, in work, like at in the office, it must have looked like a party, just like every day. First, probably a few days of disbelief. And, I mean, they, they, they had to have also thought they were going to go out of business, right? Like, no employee would be sitting there being like, they can't afford this. <laughs> like my my first thought is this is when the boss goes and snaps and goes crazy and then we're all out of a job next month. I think most people who make $35,000 think the company they work for is making millions and millions. I think that that's the general consensus. Okay. I, I don't think that the, that's but but I could be wrong. Um Dan Price, okay, this was really when he heard this from from Jason Haley, his employee, it really punched him in the face. He felt absolutely horrible. It was a new low for him. Price was, he was just shocked and he was hurt. And it took him about three days to come up with this plan. And he decided that he was going to bite off and go from 
cut his own salary, Joe, from one mil one point one million down to seventy thousand. So he was going to be making as much as everybody else. It's like these these uh, big corporations are looking for bailouts and say the CEO will work for a dollar. You know. Do you think that he was doing that? Like you think like he went down to their pay, but was also doing stock buybacks and making all of his money back in <laughs> stocks or something. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that, yeah. After what we've studied, what we've heard in our last few episodes, yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of fringe benefits. So he probably doesn't even need seventy thousand to get by. But the fact is, he did. A lot of the companies didn't do it. Now I want to give you a little background on him. Um, he grew up in Napa, Idaho, very conservative, um, a Christian, and so very young he started to learn how to play the bass guitar, and he joined uh, a Christian rock band, and they toured. And then when he got out of that, he saw a hole. He, he was working in the restaurant business, and he saw that, um, in the bar business especially, that coffee shops and bars were being ripped off by credit card companies. So he says, I'm going to get in, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to charge more reasonable fees, and I'm going to get all these customers. So he was already in the kind of bargain business to start with. So he didn't have as much margins as these more successful, more established companies. Okay. But that, that kind of shows that his mentality, even to start his business, was you guys are getting ripped off. Like, it's seeing where people are, are being treated unequally for service. So, I mean, it kind of shows his mentality Absolutely. to start it, with this kind of fairness. His, his, core, his core value. So, so when this happened, ah, the world exploded. Um, Rush Limbaugh was on TV saying he's a, on the radio saying that he's a socialist and this will never work and explaining why it won't. Fox News was digging into him. But the, the social media blew up. He had over 500 million interactions on social media. Dang. And then, he's, yeah, he started getting flooded with resumes. Guess how many resumes he got <laughs> in the first week? Oh, my God. I'm guessing thousands. I mean, like, if any job. 4,500. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, so for a job that nobody wants to do, the telemarketing, it's a telemarketing job is what it is. Right. It's a job nobody wants to do. They rarely get one resume a day, and now they're getting 4,500 in a week. So Now, he also he also had, um, this wasn't all taken with love. You know, I talked about Fox, we talked about Rush Limbaugh. His partner, his brother, um, wanted out. His brother, Lucas, went, he, he went after him and sued him when this started to happen. Like, what the hell are you doing with our company? Do you think his brother had a point? Like, we, we won't get into yet what the outcome of that was, but, I mean, if you went into, if you were a 50-50 partner with somebody, you started a business with them, and then suddenly they started paying the employees more than anyone's ever heard of, I mean, like, the shareholders and his partners must have been losing their damn minds, right? Well, and I have multiple part. I have a small business now. I have a small construction company. I have a 50-50 partner right now. And you're my 50-50 partner on this podcast. And so for both of my businesses, sometimes I scratch my head with you even and say, I don't know if this is a good idea, Joe. Right. right. <laughs> and so I – and that's nothing as dramatic as this. Right. So, yeah, I would be seriously concerned. And on paper, it just doesn't work. I'm like, have you lost your mind? Are you crazy? We can't do this. So this kind of brings us neatly to our first, I would say science point, but honestly, it's more like taking other science points we've talked about before and, and trying to find a summary. So 
the big question we want to get to first is, um, is like, like operating the way businesses do right now. I worked for a, a company up until, you know, basically last year where their resource was humans. Like, like the, the thing that made them money, it was a securities company. And so they needed to have people on staff and those people saved companies insurance by being present, like looking at, you know, data and cameras and, and checking equipment. Like with so many companies I've seen now, they're, they're, they're not putting out a product. They're not stamping out license plates. They don't have a, a Ginsu knife they're selling. Their product is people. And you and I, when we covered episodes about Amazon and we covered episodes about, um, uh, Walmart and wage theft. And, and I mean, like, I'm I'm really trying to not <laughs> like Rush Limbaugh called him a raging socialist. I don't think it's socialist to pay more money. I think it's socialist to expect it across all companies and all markets. I but but the the ideal is that competition will sort that out. That if your business is just having people in a warehouse somewhere, then you just simply have to pay more than your competitor. But that can't really happen. Like the reason why, you know, um, uh, productivity in America goes up while wage stays the same is because if all businesses quietly just don't pay more than their neighbor, then you can do that indefinitely until there are wage strikes like there are now. So I guess my question is, how much does that break this mold? Maybe that's why Dan Price is getting so much hate is because he's actually saying, hey, I'll pay not just minimum wage, not just what my competitors are expecting me to pay. You know, I, I will not just go along with what makes me look good in the eyes of other companies, but he's raising it to a degree where, I mean, it's un, it's unreasonable to expect another company to do that. Well, and I've been in 30 years in the workforce, and I've been a manager's been in front of my title for the, almost that whole time, whether it's two people I'm managing or, or more than that. I always, I have always told this, and I've preached this, is that you can't pay people more to do. If you pay people more, they're not going to do more. Right. <laughs> you're just paying them more. I, I totally believe that. I think you can't pay someone to be a good employee. This kind of blows up that theory, because all these people started producing way more than they were. And and I know morale is important, but I didn't realize that they would have this boom in business. Right. We had a uh, a couple of episodes about workplace stress and in in one of our speeches we released um it it talked about how burnout and stress and you know the grind of it 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 accounted for almost a third of all turnover so like (laughs) and not just turnover but like work efficiency too so i get that efficiency comes with it i guess my real question is um i I was i was i hate to say it but i was on a a kind of a libertarian leaning um website or forum that was arguing about Dan Price, that, that like they, they were arguing back and forth. So it's not like this wasn't a, a liberal versus conservative argument. This was a conservative versus conservative argument. And somebody was like, well, well, Dan Price is just doing this as a stunt. And then the response was, you know, and, and they said, you know, other companies can't do this because if, if everybody tries to pay their workers more, they will go out of business. And that is anti-capitalist. And then somebody else responded, no, that's the soul of capitalism is you can pay more 
and you operate a business with you know better margins so you can afford to pay more that is that is what a capitalist system should do you attract the best labor by doing that so i'm there was a, this 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 reminds me of what you're talking about joe i heard this years ago um it was a it was a, a, a school a high school in new york where they decided to pay all the school teachers one hundred twenty thousand dollars, and by doing that they got the best of the best teachers the ones was all the p- teachers that said i can't work for 50 60 30 $1000 you pay me a fair and, I, and i'll do that and what they found was they had just just superstar the best teachers in the world but then they also found that some people didn't want to work that hard the amount of work and and to compete with those other teachers because it's a competitive place they said i want to go back to my more comfort or 30 40000 where the expectations are much lower right so i wonder if the expectations of, hey, we're paying you all this, and then your fear of losing, let's face it, the best job that any of these people have had by far. Right. I wonder if that is part of it too, you know. Just, I, a, just a theory. Now that you say that, that makes perfect sense to me. Like, like honestly, when we had our uh, two episodes ago, we talked about how um, the thing that really separates a CEO from a normal thinker if they're successful is their work ethic. It's, it's how much they work, how much of their life they're willing to devote to what they're doing, uh, looking for opportunities, being clever and street smart. That might extend to just labor in general, that if you pay somebody such a you know vast amount, maybe that's why Dan Price got so much for his dollar out of, out of this. When he, when he started paying $70,000 to these phone jockeys, maybe he instilled in them also the expectation that you're going to have to give me the most efficiency of anybody doing your job. Like, like maybe, maybe your teacher theory is actually pretty accurate. It, just talking about CEOs that thought Dan Price was crazy, like, like that, that bashed on him or told him that, um, you know, this is stupid. Including I th- his own brother. Including his own brother. <laughs> <laughs> It matters what different people think, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> different people's opinions, you know, your opinions of your old family, ones you're in cahoots with in business, who you share a checking account with, you share all this debt with. Right. I think it's interesting. I tiptoe around Joe. I wouldn't be so nice to Joe if I wasn't partners with him. Trust me. <laughs> I don't. Nobody should be nice to put me. Put up with Every, sh- Everybody should be put up with your shit. Yeah. <laughs> you're so hardworking. That's why I put up with your shit. <laughs> That's that's how I get away with it with everybody is they just see that I don't stop, but no, I th- I think that w- when you look at the CEOs who refuse to pay more, who who won't adjust, that might be it. It it, it might be kind of like the Easterlin paradox where you know these these people who see somebody. Um, I remember uh, recently Taco Bell um, in Beaverton started paying way more. Like it, it, it was during the COVID walkouts and like there was a couple of restaurants like like fast food restaurants that jumped up to like $17 an hour from minimum wage. Like they were they were paying like 12 or something. They raised to such a high, crazy degree quickly. Everyone else had to compete to stay at that level. Like they had to get, you know, laborers or they just folded. And that happened a lot. So I'm I'm I guess my, my big question is. Is it fair to do that to other businesses? Is Dan Price being fair to other businesses around him by raising his rates that high that quickly? Well, in Seattle, I was in Seattle. I do remember this when this happened. Um, 
they went from the and just in this I think it was the city of Seattle they raised the minimum wage for food workers from it was like something like 1075 to 1775 it was substantial people were losing their minds yeah they were like these restaurants can't make a profit and I was laughing because they don't realize how much these taco bells and stuff make right. <laughs> I'm like you're high this is gonna do nothing to them and I was right all those people who were yelling and screaming not a single one of those restaurants has gone out of business right and no one's come back and apologized oh oh okay you know <laughs> they just they make these statements and then oh they just they never acknowledge them again I'm gonna I'm gonna say something wild I'm gonna say it as a question because I really want your opinion on this do you think it's just it's it's not about what's fair or what is a livable wage do you think it's just we don't want to see somebody who makes tacos make as much money as we do. Like, do you think it is just? Oh, that's. Yeah, we we don't want. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. <laughs> this, I know, when people say flipping burgers and they talk down to, yeah, I know the type. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. They want to keep those people where they belong. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's terrible. Yeah, I think you're dead on. I don't think that's everybody's. Um. I, I think that people have a. I think people who are higher earners or of a higher social class don't really know what it's like to not be able to afford a car, an apartment, right. um, food. I just think they don't have no idea. So they should probably keep that to themselves unless they've been there. It doesn't. And been there doesn't mean live, living with your parents and working a job when you're 16 at a car wash for a few months. It's not the same thing. No. As, this is where you're at in life. The argument I constantly hear from people who um, had assistance from their parents when they were younger is, I went to college and I ate ramen the whole time I was there, and so I know what it's like to be poor. <laughs> and it's like, no, you were at college. Like, you you were having your life set up for you. So, no, I, I yeah. if you go to Facebook or if you go to somewhere that is, like, anti-minimum wage raise, the arguments very quickly go away from economy. Like, like very few of them actually stick to... You know, here's how inflation works. We don't have uh, exact measures. Like, like we don't have really hard evidence, and not even the government really agrees with us. But we pretty we're pretty sure minimum wage raises inflation. But more than the economy question, I, I see way more often pictures of people saying burger flippers don't deserve this, and they'll show pictures of like a poorly made burger, and they'll be like, "Do you think this is worth seventeen dollars an hour?" Like, it's it it very quickly turns to hatred toward people who are doing what we don't think of as adult jobs. And so I'm wondering if like, you yeah, phone jockeys, Dan Price's phone jockeys, do they fall under this category? I think you're right. But, I, and I'm going to tell you this, you, you and I go to Chipotle and watch those people work for about 15 minutes. We need to go take a nap. We're so tired. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we can't work at that pace. And I would challenge any of those, you know how like they have a slumlords that get court ordered to go live in their apartments. I think for anybody that says these things should be forced to go work at Taco Bell at the drive-thru for a half a day. Yeah. I consider myself a very hard worker. I, I write and edit pretty much all the hours of the day I can manage. And I, I, I still can't do public-facing jobs like that. Like, I've gotten to the point in my life where I'm like, I would, yeah, I don't, there's no way I can handle it. I'd kill myself. But... Yeah, we go we go out to eat, Joe, and I'm always the spokesman for the group. I have to order for Joe. He gets real, real weird when there's people around <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> I mean, it's really bad. <laughs> well, I'm eyeing them because I think they're going to poison me, but that is totally unrelated. That's that's the pure crazy talking. Uh, 
So I, I don't know. I just yeah, CEOs that speak out against this. The idea that um, the people that beat the objectivist drum are saying that like CEOs are it's okay for them to pay an extraordinarily competitive, aka a very cheap rate to their employers because they're building jobs that they are driving society. But after reading so much about CEOs, the way they operate with taxes, the way they operate with stock buybacks, um, reading about Enron's tax division, they had a quote from Enron where they said that they were so good at juking their taxes to the government that they could make ducks out of dogs on paper. And and reading about like the, the Princeton study where it's like the companies like like not companies, but like wealthy contributors and lobbyists get votes far more often like they, they they get their issues voted on by congress far more often than you know uh the public and not just a minority of the public the majority of the public can want something they won't get it i'm starting to not think of companies in and ceos in such a rosy way like they poison competitors and they'd rather screw up our laws by lobbying senators than to remain competitive by making a better product or lowering prices so the myth that the worst of these CEOs are participating in the American economy, that's the dream of an unregulated market, is that competition acts like evolution. The best product manages, you know, managed by the best companies win, but they aren't participating in the free market. Like tax loopholes lobbying and changing laws to favor you, that's not free market. That's, that's oligarchy. And that's, that's what Russia has. And if, for, the, for the record, the definition of oligarchy is a small group of people having control over a country. So, like, it's it's a term that's getting hijacked, but it kind of fits us right now. And seeing Dan Price get attacked, I mean, okay, let's say he is um, not just a socialist. Let's let's say he is, like, um, uh, an ancient, uh, like, Spartan. Like, like, let's say his politics are so far off you know, it, they 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 don't even matter to America. Like like let's say no one can agree with it. It still shouldn't matter because his company is just an experiment. Like we should look at it as, you know, let's let's watch him fail or succeed and see if that works. And if it does, other companies might want to adopt it if they want to hang on to their people. Or like you said with the teachers, if if they want to try, you know, having the elite work there for the job that they are they are offering because they're paying way more. It's interesting. I have a question for you, Joe. Yeah. Um, the people who drive truck for FedEx, the delivery people, or for um, UPS, the union guys, right? Men and women. Right. They have a really good range. I mean, I think their their average pay is in the eighty to ninety thousand dollar range. You know, they're above the index happiness index, a little bit above it where they need to be. Do you? How do you think they feel when they see people in these Amazon making fifteen, sixteen dollars an hour doing? the exact same job they are i am guessing that they are i mean like judgmental maybe but like also if you see somebody doing the exact same job you're doing and they're being paid a fraction of what you get the first thing i would think of is like somebody's got to go talk to them about forming a union (laughs) i think about when i you know my construction business when i see bids are so low I, i i shudder a little bit and I think, oh, am I going to have to make that someday? Are, are times changing? Oh, right. Yeah, you know, like, whoa, is this, you know, <laughs> and unions are only so strong. Right. <laughs> unions have fallen before, so. There's there there's a pendulum. Like, I, I we, 
we watch Americans pull out their hair whenever taxi drivers lose their medallions and like, you know, they're paying millions to try to get it back. And, and here Uber is, you know, using contractors to give rides for like 10 bucks a ride. Like we, we pull out our hair whenever there is a difference in what people are making in labor, but it, it will eventually right itself just by people deciding it's not worth it versus people who have been, you know, getting way too much money for it. So I believe there will be a natural equilibrium. It's just that we need to stop attacking people for trying things. I think that's really my point about, for me, the Dan Price story is, you know, I can't believe he got so much heat for paying his people more. Like that, I, I get the people who are angry because they think it's a political stunt, but I mean, just CEOs in general, not not just Dan Price. We're, we're holding him up as an example of a CEO who went the opposite way of all the other CEOs we talked about this week. Um, like we, we need... I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm anti-CEO. I really do believe that there's a lot of good ones out there. But for every, like, uh, to, to be very blunt and, and use some bad words, we need these fucking sociopaths. Because for every Richard Sackler, who killed so many people with Oxycontin, or Dick Fold, who destroyed Lehman Brothers and tanked our economy, we sometimes get an Elon Musk or, or a Dan Price. We sometimes get somebody who actually invents something and pushes us forward or or does yeah, cr- something creates that, a whole new space just right creates something that just wasn't there before which is very admirable very expensive and very difficult right <laughs> right we we get the ceo proving something yeah yeah we get the ceo from pepsi a couple years ago who figured out better ways to market healthier foods to people who are already eating their junk food and drinking their sugar water so we we do get the progress we want we we do get the capitalism dream we want but we also get so many of them who see more and more of these tax loops and these ways to buy their stocks in a certain way. Like we see so many, like, like as more and more of them get on the bandwagon of, we don't need to obey laws or rules. We can buy laws and rules. Then we stop getting the progress. We, we'd start getting, you know, stagnation and extraordinary inequality in wages. And I think that nothing illustrates that better than Dan Price raising wages and and being lambasted online for it how does somebody even like that even get started you talked about him going around to coffee shops and building a clientele so it's like maybe that's how somebody with that kind of like altruism in business has to get started is they literally have to start ground up and that is what he did i told you he you know grew up in napa idaho and a very conservative christian family and he he was gonna be a christian rock star and that didn't, dream didn't come through. And he's just from a family of entrepreneurs. He, he's not a guy to work in. He, he, he identified a, a, prod, a product. Um, he did it for a, a lower price. And he was outrageously successful. I want to talk about the morale boost it did to the company. And, and it had a couple of funny things that Joe found in the research. And I love this. Um, it's been over six years. And it's had just amazing, amazing results. Um, every year, they've each year they've had ten times the increase in uh, people buying their first home. Isn't that amazing? So, like, all of his employees went out with their seventy k a year and like bought a house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk about fueling the economy, right? And seventy percent of them were able to pay down their debt. So these are people. This is life changing money for people. This goes from very barely getting by. To buying a house in Seattle, which is an expensive, expensive market. And about a third of his people 
uh, reported that they have no debt now. They're totally debt free. That's so I, I just see, yeah, I see these bright eyes. I see this hope. I mean, in my head, that's what I see. I see these people down here who can actually have a real life, who have new clothes, new look. They've got that bling of the new clothes on, and it just makes me happy. But you know what's another sign of people being happy, Joe? What's that? Is having babies. And this company, <laughs> this company um, went from having two babies born per year for the whole team to over 65. <laughs> so it's literally a baby boom. <laughs> That is so crazy. And when you say that, that's what this all sounds like to me. Like like people buying, being homeowners for the first time and people getting rid of their debt and people having babies. This sounds like the prosperity of the baby boomer era. Like this sounds like the prosperity after the Second World War. Like maybe this is what it looks like when we get away from the America of debt where everybody has a ball and chain around their, their ankle to... This is what it looks like when people, you know, have the happiness index, when they have enough to well, safely do these things. And I think, too, they can afford to date. Let's face it. At $35,000 a year in Seattle, you can't afford to have a partner. You can't have a boyfriend, girlfriend, <laughs> wife, husband. Right. You can't do it. But So now you have, you're having sex. You're happy every day. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> this is making me happy just talking about it. Right. Yeah, we mentioned in the narrative that the cost of living in Seattle is 50% higher than most other places in the nation. So, like, yeah, 35000 a year in Seattle would be nothing. Like, it would all be gone to rent just immediately. And then the rest is trying to lick the residue out of a tin can in the garbage. Like, that's that's your life. Oh, man. Yeah, one of the collateral damage for me of hanging out with Joe is I become so cynical, right? And so when I started, heard this, I thought, well, yeah, they're going to pay him 70 instead of 35 So I, I could see the boss, Dan Price, walking over with a box full of what I call responsibility raise. So, yeah, we're going to pay you seventy grand, but very much like the school teachers, you're going to have to do this much more. Right. <laughs> but that wasn't the case. They got that raise just being who they were. So Jason Haley, our hero in this whole thing, he, he just doubled his pay. That's That's crazy. I... We need to look at that that big national. There, there was the um, the productivity graph of America, and just see if compare Dan Price's wage increase to the productivity graph that shows how America's gotten more productive and we've been paid less over the past twenty years. See if Dan Price uh, matches the upper swing of that graph where we should be as far as like his people's productivity actually match what they're worth now hammering Dan Price, like the the press going after him. I think it's more about because he seems to sort of like be a hippie, like a hipster. And he like, you know, he, he made this seem like it was a press stunt. And so I wonder if that was more to do with, you know, his announcement. And I, I, I wonder if so much negative press he got was because of that. And it wasn't because he was becoming one of these softer touch CEOs. That's interesting. I'm going to tell you how it all played out. Please. Um, and Dan, the business six years later after all this is thriving and is doing well. Um, he has had his own problems, and, and uh, they're pretty serious problems he's got himself into. Um, he got into a serious lawsuit with his brother, 
and he makes light of it. You know, he, that that's one thing I really like about him. Um, but he got in some real serious problems. He got into a, he met up with a woman in Seattle um, to meet up for a business meeting. And I guess he got extremely drunk and then she got into his car and then he went and got physically uh, and choked her, got very physical with her and tried to kiss her. And there's there, so there were charges brought up. He went to court and the, the judge ordered him off. I thought this was pretty funny. Ordered him off weed, ordered him off non-prescription drugs. Well, how can you be ordered off non-prescription drugs? <laughs> it's a Mormon judge. are you just judge. not supposed to be taking those? <laughs> You're not supposed to drink alcohol. You're not allowed to drink or right. do non-prescription drugs. No caffeine, no alcohol, no, and, no sleep aids. Yeah. And then it turned out that there was some other, um, there wasn't any charges, civil charges, but there were flyers put out around his business asking everyone, every, and he lives in the Ballard area, the business in Ballard, which is a kind of a trendy area of, uh, a richer area of Seattle. And every business and every house had a flyer on saying, have you been attacked by Dan Price? Has he threatened you or hurt you? So that's pretty serious. Okay. I do wonder, though, okay, so when you get into a, a suit with somebody, you're not supposed to slander them during the suit because that will invalidate your case, right? Right. But I think when you do that, um, it, means, it means it did really happen to me, right? You don't care about the money. You just want it to stop. That's what, that's I, what was, I always think. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking is if, if they're willing to go to that extreme to where they're putting up flyers about him, they must not think they're going to win the case. Like they, they must... Yeah, I don't know. It. I don't know if it invalidates his business model. Like, his business model, to me, already proved itself. Like, we're here in 2022. Gravity still exists. They still are, you know, setting records. So I, I don't think this invalidates the business. I think it certainly shows that, I mean, like we said, CEOs at some point, like, their their appetite leads to this like it every ceo we've talked about in this series has had some scandal or something that has come from them being greedy in some way some sexually harassed hush money is always involved right (laughs) (laughs) um but but to conclude uh the big one for for dan uh the other big one is his relationship with his brother um dan says he's tried to buy his brother out he's offered him four to five million dollars and they, they have been in an ongoing litigation over the way the businesses ran. And, and Dan's been accused of doing certain things. And when they asked Dan about it, he, he's still grateful. He's still upbeat. Um, and this is how he talks about his brother. Th- this I really liked. He said, we're just in such a great place with this company. And my brother Lucas helped me get me, get me here. Um, whatever he wins in all of this, I think he deserves it. So that's how he is. With his own brother suing him. Now, I would not be that gracious to you if you sue me, Joe. <laughs> no, that is way too upbeat for me. I, uh, the interview would be ugly. I'd be like, somebody is suing me over half of my business. Uh, you know, prepare the Viking funeral. You're going to find them staked to a boat and it's going to be on fire. Like, I would, yeah. I The first stop is I would be in court for slander first and then the suit that is actually happening. Um, Lucas, so he he didn't take the four or five million dollars to get out, which means to me he probably wants something like nine or ten billion, right? Right. And even with all that family friction, 
Lucas. Lucas, the brother, who's suing his older brother, Dan, our hero. Lucas was his best man at his wedding. No. <laughs> Where is their family dysfunction? This is disappointing to me as somebody who came from a dysfunctional family. You're supposed to... No, 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 no. You you egg their house. You spray paint everything. You, you steal and key everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, the... Uh... freaking rich people and their their awesome relationships if you're pro-capitalism you might argue that CEOs making a thousand times the amount of their employees is fair with their irreplaceable CEO skills you might argue tying healthcare to full-time jobs is good for the economy because if you don't work you literally die. But if you have to keep breathing and you work under a CEO who makes more than a middle of the king and your job comes with a non-compete clause, your life starts to look suspiciously like feudalism. Oh, and if you're wondering which political party these kings of America lean, you might be pleased to know 58% of all CEOs are Republican, while 24% are neutral, according to Harvard Law. As automation robots and AI become bigger drivers in the workforce, companies rely less on human labor. In a utopian future, we might all receive 40 acres and a robot to farm for us, freeing us to master the violin or write the great American novel. Until then, we must rely on CEOs and their lobbyists to set fair policy, since Congress sides with wealthy interests more often than public demand. According to a Princeton study that showed, quote, the preferences of the average American appear to have only a minuscule, near-zero, statistically non-significant impact upon public policy, whereas companies generally get their way. You've been listening to The Reengineered You. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You mean the world to us. We have a new episode every week. You can connect with us at www.re-engineeredu.com. That's where we have research links, show notes, and blog articles for each of our episodes. We also appreciate feedback, and we like spirited debates. We're not experts in anything, but we've got an opinion on everything. Mm-hmm.